Hi everyone, welcome back to Daf HaShavu as we study Mesech HaShivam with Daf Samach Aleph. I received a couple of questions this week that I wanted to just uh, maybe clarify something I said or reinforce it. A Jew going to a grave is of course something, especially in the context of a Levaya, is a mitzvah of Nicham Avelam. There is absolutely no issue to be Menachem Avel, even if you don't technically have the same halachas of Menachem Avel to a non-Jew to be there. The issue is, what kind of location is it? We're talking about a regular uh, Jew, not a Kohen. If it's a church, then Baum follows the view of most Rishonim, most Poskim, that you can't go into a church. Whether it's because it's Avodah even if it's not Avodah for a non-Jew, it is Avodah for you. And generally, maybe it's not politically correct, a Jew can't go into a church. The Kohen, as the Rambam Paskins right there, you look into the top of Samachal of Amunalaf, the Rambam Paskins, that Tumas Mace from an Oved Kachavim. Oved Kachavim, let's just assume it's not a Jew. I will not have a chance, uh, most likely, to discuss this on uh, Tishabov. But, you know, one of the keynotes that we do is Shali Srufa Be'esh, it's the burning of the Talmud. What's the right term that we should use for a non-Jew? And there's a lot of history going back to the burning of the Talmud and how the church, at least in northern France, saw the Jews as, uh, in other places as well, lampooning. Uh, Christianity. So Ove Kachavim is a general term. It could say Gai, it could say other things as well. But the bottom line is, a Kohen would be able to go into such a cemetery, just can't come into contact with the mace. So it's ironic that a guy could go to a, uh, a Kohen could go to a non-Jewish cemetery, but not to a Jewish cemetery. That's how the Rambam Paskins, I think that's the way we Paskin Halacha today, but many Kohanim just they've established in their family, they don't go to any cemeteries unless it's a karov. Since we're in the days leading up to the nine days, I wanted to share with you an incredible question. Almost embarrassed that I never thought of this question. Nereb Chaim Kanievsky, who uh, manages to still put out Svarim and his family, a few years ago I was in Eretz Yisrael this time of year, and I picked up the Siach HaNechama, I think it's put together by his grandson. And it's a collection of uh, Reb Chaim's insights into Megillah Secha, Hilchos, Tishabav, general issues about Chorban. And I skipped over a piece that only came to my attention because of our Gemara. The Medrash in the Pesichta, what happens in Medrash, Rabbi, you have another Medrash, but it's very long in uh, Eicha, is you have, even before we do an analysis of the prakim, you have how different chachamim uh, would introduce the study of Eicha. And there's one very, very long piece. It doesn't even take up the whole piece, but the f- part that I'm focusing on is very long. It's called, uh, it's in Chelek, it's a Pesichta Chaf Dalet. First part of the Pesichta, the protagonist is Yeshayahu, the prophet of comfort. And then we get into the Yermiyahu, Parak Yud Gimel, Pasuk Yud Zayin, if you want to follow along. 
Amar lehen HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lamalachai Hashem says to the ministering angels, Bo v'neilech ani v'atem v'nira b'veisi ma'asu ayvim bo. First they talk about going to see what the Chorban will look like. And then in the second part, Hashem says, as the basic understanding of the Medrash to Yirmiyahu, let's take a tour. Let's see what Moshe would say to defend the Jewish people. I guess we have to go to the Kever of Moshe. Let's go to the Avos. And then ultimately, as the end of the Medrash is famous in this version, it's at Kever Rachel, where Rachel Imenu stands up for the Jewish people. In reading this Medrash, Yerchaim Kanievsky asks a question. Fikasha, haya. We know that Yirmiyahu was a Kohen. Ve'ich halach ha-machpela. How does he go to Maras Machpela? He's focusing on the Maras Machpela part. And he answers, he gives two answers. The first answer, which is the one I could understand, but I think it's a beautiful hashkafa. Okay, he was a Kohen. He didn't go into it. But just being close to it was able to provide the inspiration and the access to the Avos and the Imahos. Remember, we don't go to a grave to dive into the grave. We're inspired. It's as if you would say that Kalei ben Yefuna, we're going to invoke this again in Parshish Devarim and talking about the Chera Egal. He didn't have to literally go visit the Ma'aras Machpelah inside. Even being somewhat from a distance, knowing that this was the place of greatness, of a great person's burial, that's what generates. I thought it was very comforting, even for us today. You go to the Ma'aras Machpelah, if we should have this chus, and you're not so close. But it's not necessarily being in there. It's being around there that could generate the reflection, which is really the goal. And then he goes on to give a second technical answer based on an Avas to Rebbe Nassim. Ruchayim Kanievsky ex- discusses this more expansively. This is where his grandson must have taken it in his Sefer Der Hamun, a very important Sefer, Perik Yud, from the Halachas of Shemitah. Perik Yud Halachaches in Hilchah Shemitah. And he gives a, a technical way of explaining tying into some of these halachas that we've discussed, but I'm not going to get into uh, the technical details. So there will be a technical answer, but I'm giving to you a hashkafic answer. Now, two pieces later, he raises a similar question. You see, Yirmiyahu Anavi, and again, I'm spending time on this, we're getting to the nine days, and even Meseches Yivamis goes beautifully with the nine days, hopefully in redemption. You know, Yirmiyahu was thrown into prison. The people, you know, today, Jeremiah... We celebrate him. He was the, they called him the prophet of doom. They threw him into prison. But Yirmiyahu had great love for the Jewish people. And the Yalkut that he brings as well in Perak Aleph, it's also in the Pesikta, is that Yirmiyahu, as hard as it is, there were times that he actually carried the bones of those that were destroyed seem to be playing that role. You have to look into the Yalkut Shemoni for detail. And then he asked the question, So he gets into an issue where Yirmiyahu Kohen 
there was a mace mitzvah, something along those lines, and Yirmiyahu had to go deal with it. He wasn't just dealing with theoretical death, he was dealing with practical death as well. We're going to end this year on a more positive note in the period of Arivirel. So we're going to focus on Rabbi Akiva as we always do in the Kinos. You know, Rabbi Akiva was a halachist. I heard something many years ago. I could actually prove it from a Rav Chaim Navon. He's a Rav in Eretz Yisrael. I think he teaches in Yeshiva in Alon Shvut or in that area, maybe in, Ka- in uh, Katamon, but he lives in Modi and he gives a shir. Rabbi Akiva, when he gave up his life, one of the Asari Haruge Malchus, it's not that he happened to say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Ken Hashem Echad, and that's the martyr's tefillah. It was at the time, it was Higiyah's man, which meant at the last moment of his life, it happened to be the time of Kriya Shema, and he continued to live a halachic way. And then that became for us the source of inspiration. Now we also have in Agadita the romantic stories of Rabbi Akiva and Rachel and the total devotion to their relationship. I'm just invoking over here, it's a statement that Rabbi Akiva makes in trying to understand the zona, because we know a Kohen can't be with a zona. I just think his definition is important. It's not exactly the way every single person is going to pass in the halacha, and how we fit this into what we spoke about two weeks ago when we were dealing with Zona and with Chalo. But what Rabbi Akiva says is Zona zu Muvkeres. The definition of a Zona, and this is his halachic definition, is to one who has abandoned herself. Now it's very important Rashi that according to Rabbi Akiva, if there's an unmarried woman who one time, again it's terrible, she has to do tshuva, had relations with someone before being married. So then she's not going to get, according to this, the status of being a zona. The term zona, by definition, is a woman who's mufkaris. Now, what happens if it's three times or four times? I read from Rashi, which I'm not sure. It's the only way to read it. It's a pattern, and the pattern is established more than one. It's not within a certain time frame. Last thing I want to talk about today, and hopefully hopefully we're going to have a great chance next week to expand on this, and we'll start with this uh, next week, is some of the issues of Piri of Arivia. We usually think of Piri of Arivia coming up in Meseches Kiddushin. But we have over here the Mishnah on Samacham Alephon Beis. Lo yibata adam in Piri of Arivia, ela imkain yesh lo banim. Person should abstain from Pervia Rivia, unless they have children. That is the Tanakama, Bishama Yom Shnezacharim. You satisfy it with Shnezacharim. Basilo Omrim Shnemazachan and Keva Baram. Now, does that mean that once Pervia Rivia is accomplished, whether you follow Bishama Basilo, there's no further value in having children? So, these halachas we're going to discuss, and what's interesting about it, it's going to bring us back to some of our Bishama Basilo talks. Everyone should have a great week. I hope you get a chance to listen to this before Tisha B'Av, if Tisha B'Av will be observed this year. Next week's daf is going to be a uh, really beautiful daf. Thank you.